you're looking for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Recording, hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Top Hill Recording Podcast, episode 145. Good morning, Neil. What's up, buddy? How are you doing today? So you got some uh you got some illness in the house, man. So you're uh you're joining joining me remotely even now. Yes, sir. We got the flu. It looks like we're running temperatures and stuff. I'm doing all right so far, but you know, trying trying to be a good friend. Got a great guest this morning, man. We got Fillmore joining us. Welcome, Fillmore. What's up, y'all? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Maybe drink a little whiskey with y'all. It's not, it's never too early. No, no. So what are you having? It's Oak and Eden. It's this in-bottle finishing um, type of whiskey. It's kind of a newer thing. Um, they have the patent for it, but there's this Oak Spire in it. Basically, I did a collab with them a couple of years ago. Um, you can find these bottles online and it's like stores across America too. It has like my signature like on there. I don't know if you can see it kind of. And then... Um, so it's like bottled by Fillmore. So this is a coffee honey. Ooh. Um, Ooh. It tells you how the oak spire is like, um, how it's done. So basically, if you had like, let's just take like a double oak to Woodford, right? Like that's That means double oak that went in a second barrel. So what they do is they take, instead of going in a second barrel, they just put it in the bottle and then they put the oak spire in there for six weeks and it's in bottle finishing. Ooh. So it's just a faster process to kind of get it like, aged in a faster way in a smaller batch. Uh, okay. Um, and so I did coffee honey as a flavoring, but really the flavoring is on the spire in there over the six weeks and it kind of comes out of the wood. And I did uh, like the fire on it. So it was burnt heavy and then it's a 90 proof. So uh, it's pretty good. Um, I think girls buy it because it says coffee honey, but it tastes like a good ride of me. So <laughs> Have your own bourbon, man. Man, I'm always That's up for a good cool, rye. Bro. I love me some yeah. rye whiskey. Man, I don't know if you guys have tried this, but I'm, I've kind of changed it up. We usually go with a straight bourbon, but since it's early, I went with the Bullet Old Fashioned Cocktail. Have you guys tried this? Mm-mm. No, I need to hey, try that. If you like old fashions, it's uh, it's pretty good. You got to try it. Legit. Elijah yeah. Craig, guys. I'm easy. Uh, Elijah Craig's great. Well, cheers, fellas. Cheers. Good uh, morning bourbon. Cheers. Oh, morning bourbon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fillmore, we've had to, three out of the last four guests, we've had to start off with, we are not alcoholics because all of them have been morning podcasts. So we're drinking <laughs> at like 10 a.m. So we're not alcoholics. We're just doing it because we have to. Yeah, it's just, it's part of the job. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So I'll tell you what, Fillmore, to, to let our listeners get to know you a little better. We always start, we start back early, man. But why don't you, uh, why don't you take us back in your childhood and talk about your early memories of music? And then like, if there's a moment that stands out in your life uh, where you decided that music was going to be a big part of your life, or basically, I guess in your case, be your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm from Wildwood, Missouri. Um, I, I was kind of, I did sports my entire life growing up and, uh, my senior year of high school, um, I was always in choir. Um, I actually joined choir and this is like a thing I've always said, but they offered a free recess in fifth grade. I was like, yeah, I like recess. So I'll join choir. It's kind of how it happened there. And then, uh, music was kind of always a part of my life, that and sports. And then, uh, my senior year of high school, um, I ended up, uh, Going, I ended up getting a music scholarship, so I took that to University of Missouri. I was a voice major there, double majored in um, business marketing. Graduated from there, tore my fraternity to the ground, moved to Nashville right after college. Um, and I've been in, not, I've been in Nashville about almost 10 and a half years, I think, maybe 11. And um, yeah, it's been a, it's a grind. Uh, it, music's kind of just always been a part of who I was. Um, it's not like a family thing. It's not like I come from a line of musicians and stuff like that, but, um, it just sort of always like fell into place, especially with the songwriting. And, um, yeah, once I got out of college, I never looked back, but while I was in college, I was touring like uh, other universities and making money on the side and, um, kind of realized like, I, I always really wanted to do it out of high school, but I went to college for four years and lost those years of my life. I mean, I had a blast, (laughs) but, um, Nashville was like college extended. So, and I'm still here. So, and now I'm drinking at nine in the morning. So I guess not much has changed. So, <laughs> so if you uh, you started in the choir in, in high school and, and ended up with a voice scholarship, you must've, uh, you must've taken to that pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of natural ability for singing. Um, I think a lot of her, I, you know, whether it's hereditary or however it is, it's like something you're more or less born with to a certain extent. Um, like for example, my wife, like there's no chance she can sing. That's like, it, <laughs> we get her million voice coaches. Like it's there's no way. Like it's not possible. So it's definitely like a God given thing. I think so. I, you know, utilizing that um, that talent and like honing it in, and then working on that craft has definitely been a part of it. Is my life. Um, but um, yeah, when we have kids, we're going to like. I'm, I'm having enough kids until one of them can sing. That sounds terrible. But I'm, like, you're, my kid. <laughs> All right, you're two years old. You're talking a little bit. Let's see which gene pool you got. <laughs> All right. Can't sing? All right. Hey, we're having another one. <laughs> when you were looking at that, uh, you talked about like a college circuit when you were in college. What, what did that look like for you? Were you, uh, was it original music? Was it covers? What were you doing in, in that, with music at that point in time? Uh, it was a mix of both. I mean, my originals weren't that great in college. Um, <clears throat> I really don't think I got really into like my my groove of songwriting until I moved to Nashville, and then years after being in Nashville with my publishing deal and being around writers and putting into ten thousand hours, I probably put in thirty thousand hours at this point. But um, yeah, in the college circuit, it was called NAC. I mean, it's still it's still there. It's NACA, N A C A, and. Uh, you can uh, do these showcases for all these colleges because these colleges have budgets. So like for anybody out there that's, you know, trying to get out there, it's a great way. Like back then we put these EPKs in on Sonic bids. Oh yeah. Sonic bids. Things man. have changed. <laughs> I'm sure there's a different way to send stuff in now, but 
uh, electronic press kit for for the kids uh, for the kids out there. Um, but uh, yeah, we'd send those in, and then you'd get chosen by a committee at the college to then perform um, at a bigger showcase. And then that showcase, all these colleges would show up in, let's just say, New Hampshire, Connecticut, and they would pick you and they'd come to your booth and they'd be like, we want you to play at our college. And then blah, blah, blah. You'd book a whole tour that way for your next spring. It was like a showcase thing. Um, A lot of other artists have done that, Uh, like Brett Young, uh, a bunch of people in Nashville that I know, like it was a thing back when that kind of let you get your chops up. And it paid really well because... um, colleges have a music budget that they have to get rid of that's in their tuition. Yeah. Like an entertainment budget. So it was taking advantage of those moments, which was, um, yeah. So that, um, to explain that, I've never really explained that, but that's, that, that's the best way to kind of explain it. And it was great money, um, especially out of, you know, I've played the bar. I've done everything at this point. So that was just a way to kind of get myself moved to Nashville because I moved here not knowing a soul without any cash. So it was just having that to like live on and then go down to the bars on Broadway did that for three months. Then I was drinking too much. I was like, I can't do this. Let's get out of here. You can get stuck down there on Broadway. Too. Oh, yeah. So, and if they say they're playing for tips, they're lying. Don't believe that. If you go to Nashville and they're like, hey, we're, yeah, we play for tips. It's a straight lie. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you right now. You can quote me on this. You can put this as a meme. Like, everyone stop lying. You're just doing that for more tips. Yeah. You get paid down there. People make a good living down there. The problem is you get stuck down there and then you, you look back and it's been five years and you're still playing on Broadway. And have a drinking problem. <laughs> yeah. No, the drinking problem. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> so, man, you talked about uh, honing your songwriting skills there in, in Nashville and, and you know, the 10,000 hours. Is uh, is that what you think is the most important thing in, in building songwriting skills is just putting in the time or are, is there any other thing you would contribute to uh to your growth and, and evolution as a writer man that's a good question um i'm still nowhere where i want to be writing wise i'm very proud of everything that i've put out for myself um i've had cuts with other artists as well um i do not have any number ones um i feel like i've gotten close on a lot of things um but yeah i, I make a living from songwriting and performing and, and music so all i have to do is music and I mean, I, it's just a crazy thing to to think. That's how I like live my life is just music. And it, it's just that. So when it comes to the songwriting, I think it all starts there. So um, at least for me, honing that in is just, uh, I think it's ever changing. And then you got to, like, I can't say it's like you ever really know that something's absolutely great. You can be great at one niche, but there's so many genres. There's so many different styles. There's so many things changing right now. I mean, there's a whole TikTok generation of songs where it's just, a 10 second clip and the rest of the song is terrible. And the part they chose is just something that people can put a video to. So you can write stuff that way too. There's a bunch of different avenues and what's a good song is really just subjective at this point, especially with the access people are having um, as fans. So I don't know how to answer the question. I think, I think I'm a great songwriter, um, but I got, I'm going to keep putting in as many hours as it takes until I, I guess I'll never be satisfied. Only, I think it's an ever-changing, evolving um, craft, and I think that's exciting as well. But I don't know if you're ever the best at it. Depend, even if you have all the awards and all the number ones. I mean, it's all it just depends on who likes. That's also a great perspective to take because if you take that perspective, then you keep wanting to write a better song. You want the next one to be better than everything else you've ever written. So it gives you that fresh outlook of like, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I like the stuff, but I'm not there yet. 
it's a it's refreshing to hear because you know I write Brad writes, but you never feel like you write the perfect song. So to continue reaching for it, man, and especially somebody that is as prolific as you are. I mean, you've had 475 releases in 2022, I think. <laughs> so you, you've, you've released so much music in the last year. And to say that again, outlook, 475, yeah, yeah, dude, you've released so much music this year. <laughs> oh, you're just exaggerating a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you just look at the Spotify 2022. It's like, how in the hell, yeah. how in the hell are we still on 2022? Jesus, you know, it, it's amazing. So it's great to be that prolific and still have that type of attitude, for sure. No, I, I will say also though, I, you know, I do think there are songs that I've written that I'll never write a better song than that in that time frame. So it's like there are songs that hold that value to me, like as well. So I don't know. I guess because like you say, it's like I will never like I like this, but I'm going to do better. It's like I don't like. I think each song has a purpose. So it's like. I like this and I think it's the best. Like when I go to put a song out, I'm like, I'm not going to beat this. Mm. And then like when I go to put a song out on the next album, I'm not trying to beat the last album or the last song I put out. I'm just trying to put out something that I like for the place I'm in in my life at this point. Mm. So I feel like each one that comes out, once it's actually released, I've like of my, of my music that I release as an artist and write, um, I just feel like that's the best version of who I am at that point in my life. And so I look back at like my song "Other Girl" or like "Love That About You," which I sent over to y'all. Like, I look at that and I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna beat that song mm. for that time period of my life. Now, I could beat it streaming, and I could beat it like in a bigger way and get a number one with something else. But it's like that pocket of time and what that sound was and how it felt in that year, or and, and it still feels timeless to me. It's like I don't, you know, I don't know. So I guess I'm going back on what I said a little bit, but at the same time, like, I don't, whatever. I don't even know what I'm saying. I've, I've had three sips of it. <laughs> I think I understand what you're saying, you know, and I think that's a good, uh, I, I think that's a good way to look at things because, you know, we've had artists on here that, that maybe look back at early songs and, you know, you've grown as a, as a musician, you've grown as a songwriter and have people to like take off some early songs, you know, because they're not, they, they they think they're writing better things now and they may be, but I think it's cool to think, you know, that's just where I was at this time. Now this is where I am at this time. And now here I am in the present. Yeah. And it, honestly, there were songs that I had up like underneath like Tyler Fillmore band or Tyler Fillmore before 2015 when I like branded myself as Fillmore because that's what everyone always called me. It was on the back of my jersey and sports, like everything. No one ever called me Tyler, so... I went by Fillmore. That's what everyone called me anyway. I don't think half Nashville knew my first name anyway. <laughs> so I just went by Fillmore. And then like when that 2015 thing happened, I was like, I found the producers I liked. I found people that are letting me kind of speak my truth and like do the crazy production stuff I wanted to do. That was probably ahead of its time. So I can still go back to songs that I wrote in 2015 and I can hear the production on it. And it's just now relative. <laughs> so I would dilute some of that stuff and bring it, pull it out of the tracks and stuff so it could fit where we were in that time frame. But it's helped those songs, I think, stand the test of time. But there are songs before 2015 that I've buried and like it's, it's just been gone. But everything since I found who I was and like my sound and put in all the hours of writing and everything like that. So since 2015... Anything I put out from this point on and from 2015, those are never going to be like, there's 50, I think I have 54 songs out, like released. I, they're not, I'm not touching 
they're that's exactly who it is. And I think they all stand the test of time for what that is. Mm. But yeah, I get that pulling stuff down. I mean, I did that back in the day for sure. Yeah. <laughs> God, I feel <laughs> you went with Fillmore in 2015. You know, one thing I noticed, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Fillmore last night and this morning. And uh it's kind of hard, you know, there's so many streaming platforms, but it looks like sometime in maybe the last four to maybe six or seven years, you've had some exponential growth in fan base, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if this number is right, but the best I can see, it looks like you've got like probably over 250 million streams of your songs at this point. Uh, like some crazy yeah. growth recently. Uh, I mean, how how does that feel when you when you hit a point like that? Um, I've had to like kind of hone in on those moments more in my life because I'm always the guy that like grabs something that they're trying to attain, and then once you sit there in the moment, you hold it for like one minute and you move on. You've been working for years, and then you finally accomplish it, and then instead of like celebrating that, you just literally like, all right, what's next? Mm. And so kind of living in that moment and holding on to it a little longer has been important, especially for accolades like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Here's, here's, it really comes, I mean, here's the, the truth is too, like there's so much politics in everything that we do in life as well. So when it comes down to like measuring success by streams, I just don't know if that's necessarily fair. Um, I'd rather measure it by butts and seats. Oh yeah. Um, when I go on tour and I do my next headlining tour in 2023, when I announce that and I go do that, how many tickets I'm selling is going to be my, my, um, that will be my moment of, all right, this matters because there's too many people that are propped up and put on playlists with fake streams and no fans. Mm -hmm. So when it comes down to it and then people are buying Instagram followers or buying TikTok followers Go next time your favorite artist gets on a live on their Instagram, see how many people are watching it. Yeah. yeah. Cause that tells you right there how many actual fans they have. And if it actually had the number that they show on their page, then that, that would be bigger. So Neil, I love this guy, man. I do too. <laughs> honest. It's honesty. We talk, yeah. you know, we talk yeah. about that a ton. We talk about it a ton because the one thing that we decided when we started this thing, what, three years ago now is yeah. we're not paying a dime for social media followers to be on a playlist. So everything we've done has just been word of mouth. Uh, artists that we've had on uh, giving us some support and, you know, getting us out there. So we love that, you know, that, that perspective of what does it look like when we're in a room? You know, how many downloads do we get versus what are the butts in seats, man? It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh let's let our listeners hear a tune real quick, and then uh and then when we come back, uh, uh, another thing I noticed is is kind of the Fillmore work ethic. I'd like to get into after we hear this song, but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, "Love That About You." Uh, "Love That About You" is written about a girl I hate. Um, <laughs> man, I've only had like I mean whiskey's going down easy. Um, I'm telling you, man, say, morning whiskey's great. What's her name? It is. No, 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 no. Shoot. Um, no, you know, it's a moment in time. It's it's written from a real place. It's all those quirks about someone in my life at that time. It is one of my favorite songs. That and uh, Other Girl that I have out, like from a girl perspective, right? Like the, the song for the girl that like meant something for me. Um, 
So yeah, with that song, it was kind of just telling all the corks about someone. And I wanted to say it like from the perspective of like any guy in the world could look at their girl or any girl could listen to the song and be like, that's me, you know, or feel like it was them. And it would feel cool to them to like, feel like you're kind of like an edgy girl that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Like your guy loves you for who you are. And there's plenty of stuff like that. So it was writing my version of that. And that's kind of what I love that about you is when it came down to production, um, I went a little bit ahead of the time for that with some of the poppy elements. Um, you know, country radio doesn't want to hear snaps or they don't want to hear claps. It's just like, it's just whatever excuse at that time. So for me personally, I wanted to do just write by the song and um, all that's recorded in a bedroom. So not a studio, nothing like that. Oh, so, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, a lot of my, a lot of my first part, there's a mix of that on the state I'm in album, which is, I, I will be dropping my second album here in January, uh, January 13th to be Ooh, exact. Um, and um, the, uh, I don't know, State of Men is just one of those things I've held. It's like my favorite. I mean, everything's going to be my favorite moving forward. I think album three is going to be the one. I'm just feeling it like in the distance here. I'm, I'm putting that out. I'm manifesting. Oh, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, Love That About You is uh, definitely a staple for that record. And then I, I kind of used that song to, um, build out the sounds and make it cohesive all around, even though that was literally recorded in um, the bedroom at the band house. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm ready to hear it. All this. right, let's check it out. Love that about you. The way you paint your nails to match the mood jewelry, you think a rainy day means you get to stay in bed. You think Sprite tastes better from the drive-thru You tell late to anything I'm on time to You buy three pairs of shades Cause you're gonna lose two Ooh, girl, I love that about you You know you can't do no wrong Yeah, every time I'm around you I see a little bit of you that you don't So unpredictable, you're so unforgettable Girl, so don't go changing no time soon Cause I love that about you I love that about you I love that about you Yeah, I love that about you Oh girl, I love that about you What's your favorite song? You change it every day Just like your favorite drink One day it's wine, then it's Tanqueray You make thrift store clothes look brand new Get bored, go get a new tattoo Yeah, you're beautiful And you ain't got a clue Ooh, girl, I love that about you You know you can't do no wrong Yeah, every time I'm around you I see a little bit of you that you don't So unpredictable, you're so unforgettable Girl, so don't go changing no time soon Cause I love that about you I love that about you I love that about you Yeah, I love that about you Oh girl, I love that about you Ooh, girl, I love that about you You know you can't do no wrong So unpredictable, you're so unforgettable, girl, so 
Yeah, that's nice. Dude, amazing writing. And I love the fact that uh, Spotify now lets you read the lyrics along with it. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Man, the one thing I... Uh, not only how prolific uh, of a writer you are, but man, your 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 phrasing and wording is phenomenal. I love the the, the pace that you write. It's it's wordy, but it, it's perfect. Everything sits with the music. It always has some type of great vibe to it, regardless. And you know, you kind of touched on um, being good at writing in a genre or in a in a phase of a genre. And you do a great job of mixing up your stuff too. I mean, you've got stuff that's uh, Spanish language, that Spanish feel. It's just not niched, which is awesome, man. I love it. It's be- it's beautiful. Thank you, dude. That that means a lot. Thank you so much, dude. It's awesome, man. Your voice it's so easy to listen to. Uh, so uh, so controlled. Uh, you know, you talked about that feeling like you something you just you just got naturally. Uh, and then you, and then you went and and you know majored in college and probably developed that even even further. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of a standout feature on your all your songs is is the vocals, I believe. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, uh, but to be able to, you know, match the vocals with with the lyrics and the music and and, and not mm-hmm. get stuck. I, I'm just so stuck. I'm stuck on him on you not getting stuck, which I love. I do have a question about your writing. You you mentioned like other girl and. Um, being able to put a, a female put themselves in that position, you do a ton of writing and writing with other people. Do you ever write for other people? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I don't actively go out of my way to write for other people. I just, um, when you're writing about a hundred and hundred twenty songs a year, mm-hmm. a lot of them are just sitting in a shoebox. So you found the ones that are maybe don't fit this right now or they're not going to come out on this project. And then you kind of um, give them to your publisher, show them to some people, and then they end up getting cut by other people so that they don't have to sit there and not be released to the world. So um, I've actively written for a handful of artists. I don't like, uh, like I, I wrote, like I wrote some stuff like just for this pop artist, Mokita, um, who's actually a writer on a lot of my stuff as well. But um, he's like a bedroom. He's kind of like, uh, bedroom pop kind of like love kind of it's it's really cool melodies like crazy stuff so that stuff's very inspiring to me as well um i actively wrote stuff for that project um like just for him but most of the time i'm kind of just writing in a feeling of the day and then if it comes out a certain way i'm like this could be good for so-and-so this ah. could be good for whoever so it's it's more or less trying to write the best song and then finding someone who it fits as opposed to trying to write it directly for that person. That was actually my next question. Have you ever written something and got to the end of it and go, yeah, this is a so-and-so song. This is not mine. This is definitely for them. Yeah, I definitely have. I mean, now whether they think it's for them is a different story. Hey, uh, before we listen to that song, you mentioned a little bit, you know, you, you kind of uh, threw out that there's certain elements that aren't supposed to be in country music and you know you kind of you kind of push back against that a little bit how much when you moved to Nashville how much did you find yourself having to fight that or or kind of uh, go your own way that might have been against the grain honestly never really fought it I just never acknowledged it okay I just kind of did me uh my whole motto and um 
like my super fans or my fan club and everything, it's all based around like the motto of uh, anything but typical. So it's just oh, ABT crew. Yeah. A bunch of them have these tattoos and everything. So I kind of built my whole motto around anything but typical. If you go back to my first EP, it's called Proof. There's a song on there called Anything But Typical. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of built my my brand from that point on. That was like, that was my flagship thing. And then then I cut my hair in a ridiculous way. And I was like, I, I really don't care what you think. And that was, it was more about that. It wasn't that I like having long hair and a man bun. It was just a thing at the time. Um, to kind of stand out <laughs> and make it more of a, now I'm growing a mullet underneath it. I don't know what's happening. Um, but yeah, it was more just to just kind of just be myself in any way. And it was more of a holding the middle finger up to like, hey, this is just good music's good music. It shouldn't matter what anyone looks like. And now that's really been thrown aside. That was definitely more of a thing back in like 2017, 2018. But in the last couple of years, and especially right now, it's country music, especially it's just anything goes. It's just, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even know what's happening. There's randomness from every side of the, <laughs> every side of the world here. What's happening? Well, there's, I've got two things. Uh, the last part of, of it is you don't necessarily need the labels like you used to back in, you know, turn of the 2000s. If you didn't have a huge machine pushing you, which I'm sure is still highly beneficial in what everybody wants, but with the social media and things like that, you can create your own niche and your own, like, uh, you know, the, the, the anything but typical crew that you probably built on your own just by people figuring out who you are and learning who you are and coming to your shows and doing those things that maybe the record label was the one that sent you on the tour, but now necessarily you don't have to have that. You can have a following that is different. And that was the that was the second part. First part is what 2011 to 2015. What did you figure out to make that switch to 2016 to where you decided, you know, screw it, I'm going to be myself. Uh, anything but typical. I'm going to I'm rebranded. What what was the lesson in those few years? Did you have to go through a ton of battles in figuring out what what you ultimately? we're trying to do or what, what was it in those? There's something there that had to like sharpen the, the tools in that time. Um, I think it was creating, it was finding the right team to put around me that believed in what I was doing as opposed to people that were trying to change who I was. Ooh, okay, That's probably the easiest way to say it. So I think I was always doing, trying to do the music I'm doing now. The problem was every turn I was being told I couldn't do it. Mm. Uh, and then I found the right team. Like my management, Victory Entertainment with Chris Perkins and Gus Chancy, um, we just kind of there was just we just believed in something, went after it, and then it worked. And everyone's like, "Oh," and it just seems like that's a common thread in life. Like everyone's always like, "It's always the person that takes a risk and does it." You know, it's it's you know Garth Brooks was pop when he first came out. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. So it's like. You know, and there's plenty of stories like that where it's like this. It, honestly, the biggest the people that become the biggest artists are the biggest risk takers that aren't accepted at the beginning. A lot of the people that you see right now that are propped up that you hear on the radio probably right now, not a lot of them, but just some of them that are brand new artists. You won't hear about them again in the next three years because um, mm-hmm. they were just propped up in a moment of time and they they fit the mold of what's happening. But a lot of them haven't figured out who they are as an artist. They're just kind of doing their thing and doing what they're told as opposed to being exactly who they are true to themselves. And sometimes that can work out in the long run, but I would say 90% of the time it doesn't. So 
And at the end of the day, labels just want to make money. So they're not really worried about you and who you are. They're just trying to make money for the time being and collect that master over the course of time. If they have one song from you, then that makes a lot of money. That's fine. Mm-hmm. They're not really worried about the rest of your life, your career, how it affects your family, what happens there exactly, you know. And I'm with a label, so <laughs> I'll tell you right now, like, label didn't get me my touring. Label didn't. I mean, I would say don't sign a record deal. That's, that's true. Yeah, I mean, these days, I mean, these days, uh, you don't have to have that. You don't have to give up. You know, there are a ton of 360 deals. I don't know what's you know, especially in Nashville and LA, to where they're getting a piece of everything and. If you can keep all that these days, I think more than anything, I've learned that from listen, listening to comedians uh, talk about their craft and and owning their own material and their own, you know, recording stuff themselves and doing things to where they own it all. And they don't have to worry about the bullshit anymore uh, that comes along with paying somebody that doesn't do anything for them. Yeah. Not that I'm going against any a record label or anything. I don't mean that, but... Uh, it's it's all circumstantial too. I mean, it's all circumstantial. I mean, there's some yeah. there's some artists that are completely propped up by a label and they get the actual benefit. So it's like it's not only do you need the record deal if you are that person that needs it and can't bring the tools together for yourself and build a, like you need a bigger picture person to help you kind of bring stuff in and you need the and you need the money. Um, so if you have to do that now, if you can get that far to even get the thing the deal then you have to be then you have to be chosen as the main propped up number one person and then if it doesn't work the first time go around you got to be in the zero 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 point whatever percent that gets a second chance to even try um i've been lucky enough that my label gives me tries at every turn and that's been great um and i sign for what it is and i have no issues my thing is just like to anyone out there, it's like really be, I don't know, uh, really be uh, understanding of what you're looking for as an artist. Cause the prop up of people being like, yeah, just, I'm going to go sign a record deal. Well, you don't really have, if you just tell me that, then I'm kind of like casting you aside to be honest, because if you're a young kid and you're look, you're listening to me right now, like it's not about signing a record deal. It's about playing stadiums. It's about being successful. And so everyone's path to get to playing stadiums and being the biggest artist or the biggest songwriter is different. Mm-hmm. A record deal doesn't fix that. It actually only makes things more complicated. So if you can find a different way to do it, I think the anything but typical route is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. So find what your actual goals are and chase those. Don't just be like, I'm going to sign a record deal and it's all going to be great. It only gets harder. Great advice. Yeah. Great advice. You know, another thing I, I, I talked about a little bit before we listened to that, to that song is... Um, you know, I've learned that you've your work ethic's probably unmatched, and you've got a mentality where you take advantage of any opportunity that presents itself. I mean, just like us, for instance, an independent podcast that would like to interview you, and and you do everything you can to introduce yourself to more people and let more people hear your songs. Can can you just talk a little bit about your your uh, you know, your thoughts behind that and, and, and what makes you have that, that drive to pretty much just do whatever presents itself as an opportunity. Um, well, I appreciate saying that. I mean, I've been told that a handful of times. I, <laughs> I just can't sit still. Let me rely on, uh, you know, you can work to a fault. I think you can probably do too much to a fault. I think there's like purpose in like, sitting back and being very focused on one thing as opposed to many things. Um, 
I like throwing it all out there as like a huge spider web and then collecting whatever comes in. But um, that's just me. I enjoy being on the road. I enjoy meeting people. I love people. Um, I can't sit alone in a room. Like my wife makes fun of me all the time. Like she goes to work and I immediately leave the house and go meet people somewhere. <laughs> like I can't. It's like, I don't, I'm not about it. And so <clears throat> I think that kind of really is a part of like just who I am. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the never ending drive to be where I plan on being and setting that goal of what, what I want to do. It wakes me up every morning to keep getting it because honestly in this industry, and I'm sure you all know, like it's, it's just, it's no every single day at every turn. Like it's it's not like a, it's not. and then finding excitement in people is a whole nother thing. Cause you know, people in charge and people making decisions are already beat down every day by other people trying to tell them what to do anyway. So when it comes down to it, just like any other business, like it's gotta be a really lucky road. And you know, if you're not there to seize the opportunity, how are you going to have any luck? So my whole thing is like, if I don't go do this podcast with y'all, if I don't go show up at this thing, well, then I miss an opportunity to meet someone or for someone to hear this that leads to a whole nother opportunity. Everything's a pebble stepping stone into a bigger picture thing. And I think people forget that. And for me, that's a huge part of what my career has been. That's why I'm never going to go anywhere because if I just keep touching people and meeting them in, in their circumstance, it'll lead to someone else hearing it and lead to someone else. And it just keeps this like ever ending, you know, snowball effect. And I think that's a huge part of what my career has been. Um, yeah. How am I supposed to have any opportunity if I don't put myself out there to go get it? Um, I, so that's really where I'm at. I, I, I think that drives me every day. If I don't go do something, well, then I was never at that place at that time to meet that person. No different than someone looking for their person or whatever, you know, it's, it's just like that. It's my career. Like, I don't know. That's probably a long winded answer. No, though. but that's a great advice. Yeah, man. I think it, uh, I think it speaks to probably you as a person a lot. I mean, cause there's some humility there, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people that get to a point where you start thinking, well, no, I'm too big for that. No, I'm past that, you know, and it doesn't seem like you've done that, but I do, I do wonder though, as, as your, uh, your fan base grows, I'm sure people wanting a little bit of your time grows. Is this mindset getting harder and harder to manage and maintain of trying to, uh, trying to take all these opportunities that present themselves? Yeah, it has. I mean, it definitely it has its burnout moments for sure, but that's why you put a good team around you. Um, I try to say yes to everything. My management will stop me from doing certain things. So. <laughs> uh, Good for them. We, and, you know, there is like a thing where you need to look. You know, it's the fake it till you make it. You need to look as big as possible. And you know, over the years, like the shows pay more. Things just get bigger. So you can't do this show over here, even if you want to do acoustic thing over here, because it's ninety miles from this show, and this show pays this, and it's a bigger show. So that's going to piss off this buyer if you do this. Mm-hmm. So you can't supersede both things. So there's a lot of other things to weigh in there on those decisions. But for the most part, um, it's always a yes for me to seize those opportunities, unless it's a conflict of something I'm already doing or if it affects a bigger picture goal. Mm. Yeah. Let's listen to another tune. Tell us about Mean Something. Uh, I wrote this on the Lauren Elena tour 2020. Um, I wrote it on the back of the bus. So when I'm out on the bus, uh, I'll res- I'll keep like two or three extra bunks on the bus outside of the band guys, and um, we'll s- I have a recording studio like uh, just a rig 
set up in the back of the bus and we'll write songs like be in the mornings. Then we'll go to sound check, drink a little, play the show, maybe write something at night before we went to bed, wake up in the next city and do it again. You come home with a couple songs finished from the weekend. So it's kind of just like a, it's a fun thing because the writers here in Nashville get to see the live show. They get inspired. Um, you get to write stuff on the road. So I've written a lot of great songs on the road that have actually been released. This is one of those. Um, and it was more or less me. Um, if you hear the demo, I, my voice was so gone when I re- actually wrote this. Like I was like scratching to sing it because I was just like, I just wanted to get it out. But like we're at the end of like a four day run and we've been drinking and the writers on that trip were wild and we wrote this together and um uh, it was just like a simple piano part in the back of the bus with like the air conditioning being way too loud and everything and you just kind of got through it but it was um it was just it was really just my perspective on uh the sacrifice and kind of what we've talked about leading up to this song actually um that comes with trying to be an artist but i think that comes with anybody that um travels for a living or anyone that is sacrificing for their dreams. So whatever your job is and whatever your goals are in life, like to get to the top of what you're trying to, you know, be successful at, like there's a lot of sacrifice. And I think a lot of times people forget that. Um, And that can be to significant others. It can be to family members. It can be to whoever in your life that hopefully those people support your dreams and understand what you're trying to accomplish. And this song was kind of like, hey, anybody that's like out there trying to make anything of their life means something. This is my story and I hope it can relate to whatever goals you're trying to chase. And this can be a song that someone in your life hears and can understand why you do what you do. So this song, that's kind of what the whole perspective was. Awesome. All right. means something. Long drives, the friends I don't get to see. As soon as I get back, seems like it's right when I need to leave. But this restless heart is my northern star, and the road is home, sweet home. Every single town, every sold out crowd, yeah, everywhere I go. I just want it to mean something when it's all said and done. Broke a girl's heart, sold my car Just to make it along the way All the miles is for you to hear my dreams in stereo From my first guitar to a downtown bar To your radio I just wanted to meet something When it's all said and done
It's unbelievable. That's nice. Y'all, you guys, you guys are all. <laughs> you guys are. You're about to go get drunk at the bar and celebrate this podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> we need to get down there to uh, Nashville and meet Fillmore in person, Neil. Man, I'm in. Let's do a one shot. Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. Hey, Fillmore, if you could check out our one shot, one mic, one song we do, one mic recordings, stripped down versions. Take a look at it on YouTube, man. And if uh, if you're up for it and wouldn't uh, mind giving us an hour down there in Nashville to record you uh, for yeah, a one shot, that'd be trip. awesome. Yeah. Easy. When you guys down here next? We'll come down. When y'all here next? I don't know. Yeah, we'll make, we'll when make, you uh, tell us to we'll come. We'll make time. Yeah. We, we, we're in Louisville, <laughs> man. We're close. It's yeah, a quick we're trip. Close. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Quick trip, man. No biggie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Aren't you gaining up more, too? Man, if you got a decent recording room, we can come in. We can bring our... Uh, our mobile setup and and shoot out a few uh, videos for one shot. Oh, that'd be awesome. Easy. Y'all let me know. Do it next week. Hey, All hey, right. here we go. We're, All right. We're, we're, we're going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gus, we'll do it. All right, Fillmore. So uh, our listeners that want to get to know you a little bit better, where can they find you? Um, everything is at fillmoremusic.com or anything at Fillmore Music. So just one F and one L. F-I-L-M-O-R-E music. Okay. That is important. One L. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, yep. and it is important because two L's bring up a lot of other stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's where I started. And I was like, all right, I got to get this together. Oh, one L. All right, there you are. <laughs> well, man, we really appreciate awesome, your time man. here the last hour or so. And uh, we've got to talk about, we're going to go out with USA, but I've I've got to hear how you ended up pairing up with Pitbull for a summer tour. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was absolutely amazing. Um, so I was playing a festival in Wildwood, New Jersey. His manager was there at the show and, um, took a video of me performing, um, and then sent it to, uh, Pitbull. And, uh, Right after I got off stage, I, I actually showed him. It's just kind of a crazy happenstance. It's just one of those moments that just happened. Like, if I wasn't there, this never happened. So, played the show, walked off. I played on a bunch of music. Um, I emailed a bunch of them to this email address, which was Pipple's email. And then four days later, he calls me. He's like, hey, Papa, I want to be on this uh, the song USA. And I was like, no way. <laughs> And like I wrote USA on a Saturday as just like a fun thing. It was like, you know, Saturday rights, I kind of reserve those days. Um, my wife works at the hospital on weekends. So um, on Saturdays, if I'm in town and we're not, it's, it's not a touring weekend, then I'm writing or working or doing something. So um, yeah, we decided to write on a Saturday and it was just a lot of Saturday songs end up getting cut. It's hilarious. Um, 
just something relaxed about it. It's not booked by the publishers. It's just like a fun day. People throw out a bunch of stuff. Maybe a little drinking's happening. <laughs> and that song kind of came together that way. And then I sent it to him. And then a year later, um, I was like, is it, are we actually going to put this out? You know, Fourth of July is coming up. This USA song will be amazing. Um, started all kind of coming together. And then um, people asked me to do the Macy's Day Fourth uh, of July celebration uh, in front of the... Uh, uh, Empire State Building, um, like red, white, and blue. And we actually closed out that special on national TV on the 4th of July, which was insane. That's crazy. And uh, it was it was pre-taped like a couple of weeks before. And so when we were together in New York, he kind of asked me and they kind of talked to me like right before that about potentially coming out on some dates on tour. And then that turned into... <laughs> That's crazy. A whole summer tour, like most of it. And... Um, yeah, it was it was wild, and I mean he's he's absolutely at the top of the game. It is it is it is something so eye opening. Um, you know, just looking outside of what the country community country community is in Nashville, it's just such a there's so much more out there that's not just country, and it's just it's so inspiring to see that stuff and to see how fans and other genres and the reaction and how big music can really be. And I mean, he really is Mister Worldwide. So it was. It's so inspiring. I've learned a lot from him. I'm continuing to learn a lot from him. Um, our friendship's really grown. Um, it's it's amazing to see what we're going to do together in the future. Um, I'm excited about that. Uh, the and never in a million years I think this would be part of the the journey. Um, but I think it was all leading to this for a purpose. And I think this is one of the cooler things, if not the coolest, that's ever happened in my career. So as I progress um, on Team Pitbull here and uh keep working um with them you know i am first generation hispanic um he is as well and so that's why there are some songs in spanish um i've never really um flexed on that that niche of who i am um uh, but i think you'll see a lot more of that happening with uh, my latin roots and stuff um in the future mixed in with everything i already do and um it's just going to be more of a melting pot of stuff that i really love and kind of show like really opening the door to exactly who i am instead of like trying to make it perfect for what this industry wants i'm really going to kind of chase exactly what i love all in one sound um this song uh usa is uh <laughs> it it was just supposed to be like a you know, hey man, USA party's better than anywhere else. That's kind of what we want to do. And then, I don't know, we wrote lyrics like Freedom Fried Chicken. I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> I thought I heard Freedom Fried maybe, Chicken. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you know, when the song blows up, like, you know, well, Zaxby's will have a Freedom Fried Chicken for a week or something. I don't know. So, there's a lot of options with this song. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I, you know, it's definitely different. And this is also, uh, randomly enough, this is a song that was not taken into the studio either. This was done in a, a back bedroom of uh, Allison Krause's house, actually. Oh, wow. That's, That's cool. insane. <laughs> pretty, pretty crazy story all around here. Um, it was written with uh, Jeff Warburton, and he's Canadian. Um, <laughs> so, and he wrote... Uh, he wrote like In My Blood and Holding Hold You Back for Sean Mendez, like those huge songs. Oh, geez. So the mix of people that are attached to this song, it's just kind of, it's crazy. And they're from all different walks of life. So, um, so how did you end up in Allison Krause's house recording this? It's written with her son. Okay. Oh, awesome. 
Amazing. Yeah. So her son is a writer on this song. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, all those, all the horns and every all the sound. He built the entire track. So no he, shit. Uh, he's super. Talented. He's crazy talented. So, um, and we didn't really record much. My producer came in and mixed it and replaced a bunch of sounds and everything like that. But uh, it is. Uh, that's that's her favorite kid, is what you're saying. It's <laughs> yes. Allison's favorite child right there, the musician. Got it right the first time. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, this, yeah, this is USA. And uh, I want to thank everyone for the at this whole tour that I was on, the Can't Stop Us Now tour with Pitbull. And I mean, singing USA every night for 25,000 people on a Tuesday. <laughs> it's absolutely wild. So, yeah. Um, I can't speak higher about Pitbull. And uh, if you don't, if you're not on the bandwagon, I, I don't know where you, you must be living under a rock. Cause I mean, he's literally, I, maybe people don't realize, I mean, he's taking, I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely wild. You show up and I'm like, yo, I've never seen fans like this in my entire life. So um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> inspiring. Thank you so much for coming. I can't wait to hear the January 13th the album comes out. Can't wait to hear it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Feel more. Thank you, amazing. man. I can, uh, I could tell in the last hour why people were drawn to you, man, and I could tell why great things happened for you. No doubt. <laughs> no, nah, I appreciate you. Same with you guys. You guys are amazing. This is a very cool podcast to be a part of. Um, I wish you all the best. Um, let's do the let's do that one shot thing. I'm I'm putting it on here right now. We're gonna do that. Well, um, I tell you what, oh, as yeah, soon man. as we hang up on this podcast, we're gonna schedule a time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there you go. All right. Song will do it, man. I'm in. All right, here we go. USA. Hey, thank you so much. I don't know about you, but I know about us. And we got 1776 reasons to party. Yeah, we just got paid, and we're settling up. And we got the subs up loud, and we about to get it started. Cause we the people in the Constitution, bumping Alan Jackson on the chat and Hoochie. We're back roads raising Jesus' saves. So let me hear you say hallelujah. See the king turn up, let your redneck loose, crank your country up, to the red, white, and blue, yeah, if you love me, buy jeans and freedom fried chicken, jacked up trucks and honky-tonk women, raise your drink to the home of the brave, ain't nobody party like the USA. Yeah, we said moonshine like it's a Coors Light out of the bottle Amber waves of grain, make the beer eyes cold If you like rocket top, roll tight, rock and roll up high Y'all better let me know So if it came to turn up, let your redneck loose Crank your country up, do the red, white, and blue From the east to the west, from the north to the south, everybody pull your flags out. From the red to the white, from the white to the blue, we fight for the freedom, but that you knew. Freedom ain't free, but freedom is priceless. There's no country like this. Now say it. U.S.A.